Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hauselberg, joined by Alex Sutton, bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm back with Alex. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. I had some engagement photos tonight. I'm not one to have my picture taken. Super awkward um, for a minute, but the photographer was great. It's one of our friends, so it made things a little more comfortable for me, which was nice because uh, I'm an awkward dude, and you know that. I mean, we've been friends for going on seven or eight years now, so... Oh, I'm a pretty awkward dude. guy, but yeah, it was fun, man. So anything That's cool happened for you this year or the, uh, this week? Yeah, dude. I mean, a lot of things have happened this year. It's but... been a great year. No, it's been a piece of shit year, dude. Yeah. The That's one thing, though, that uh, me and the and the lady didn't do. We, we didn't do engagement photos. Nice, man. Well, it was fun. Um, I walked into a river fully clothed, so um, that was river. interesting. Uh, White River, man. Uh, Muncie's finest. Did you get hepatitis from that shit? Dude, we were also right by the water sanitation plant, which is like the dirtiest water in Muncie. So, um, why did you go in there? I mean, for the gram, dude. So, photos to come. I'll be sure to share those with you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, uh, we actually had a another review left on iTunes, five star review. So, Al, you have an iPhone. Go ahead and read that for us. Um, yeah, just shout out to this listener. So we'll read the review and then formally thank them. This this review comes from Cha Cha Ha. It's titled "Awesome." It says great hour plus of fantasy football insight that can give you the upper hand on your teams. Fun exchanges between the hosts. Can't wait for helpful tips, dude. I don't know who Cha Cha Ha is. We had some speculation, but we we don't know. So whoever you are, we appreciate it. Um, give us a shout on Twitter. Let us know it was you. And yeah, we just love to connect. Speaking of our Twitters, um, at A to Z FFB and at Zach FFB is where you'll find us on Twitter. We really appreciate the review. Thanks for taking the time, especially to leave a written review. So if you listeners would feel so inclined to leave a listener or a, uh, a written review, we'll happily read those on air as they come up so yeah huge shout out to cha cha ha we appreciate you honestly Um, i probably even read the bad ones i mean yeah i mean we want good and bad obviously the five stars are are awesome but the if there's bad things that we could be doing better you can hit five stars and then write something constructive for us to work on (laughs) that would be clutch but we do want we yeah we'll read all the reviews and take them with uh whatever improvements or whatever we can do to improve this podcast for you guys. If you feel like five stars is a bit high, I'll settle for four though. I'm all for the five, but yeah, I mean, all feedback is welcome. So yeah, we just like engaging with you guys. And again, hit us up on, on the Twitter machine at a to Z FFB and at Zach FFB, get in touch with us. We'd love to connect. Um, Also a good plug here is the weekly roundup articles. 
that are posted every Tuesday. I'm still rolling with those. I've been consistent and that makes me happy because that's one thing I could, could have seen myself just falling out of, uh, out of the groove with, but one every Tuesday where I go through just kind of the week in review, I go through lessons learned injuries. I'm up to date the best I can with the biggest names. Um, and then a uh, waiver wire report card where I grade myself on my calls from the previous week, which is basically just me tearing myself apart. And then um, popped off, dropped off where I kind of recap some of the week's best performances. So that drops every Tuesday. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. It's the easiest way to stay up to date with everything. A to Z FFB. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and transition to some news and notes. I think the biggest news of the week was Ryan Fitzpatrick being benched for rookie Tua Tagovailoa, which Good luck with that name. I don't know if I said it right. Heard it for years. Should have it by now. But uh, Tua is going to start. They're on bye this week, so he'll start starting week eight. And everyone initially was like, this was the process. This was the plan. They tanked for Tua last year. They got Tua in the draft. And comes to like come to find out, this was not the plan. Fitz was kind of blindsided by this news. And it was kind of – I was bummed for Fitz, man. Um, yeah, he was – He's playing really well, which kind of makes it head scratching. Like I get they drafted two to be the future of their franchise. But if we look at Fitz through the first six weeks, he was in fantasy, the quarterback eight. So quarterback one weekly start throwing or completing 70% of his passes. He's thrown for over 1500 yards and 12 total touchdowns. So 10 through the air and two rushing, like he was doing really well. And I was excited to start Fitz. And uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be time to go to Tua. So what are your reactions to this news Al? I mean, you can't be completely shocked that they, they put Tua in. I I think it's weird timing. They were they're on a two game two game win streak. Like you said, Fitzpatrick has been rolling. Um, I mean, you've seen Herbert and Burrow, who got drafted last year with Tua as well, or this past year with Tua. You've seen them come in and be starters and have success and look decent. And so I don't know if this is like the Dolphins. Um, maybe thinking like, okay, you got to get him in there. You got to give him reps to make him look good or to see if he can be good. I don't know if they've seen things in practice where they're, they're like, he's ready to take the next step. The other, on the other hand though, and this has been pretty consistent throughout Fitzpatrick's career is he's good for about half a season. And so he's rolling now, but you don't know what it's going to be like in three weeks. Yeah, it's a roller coaster for sure. And I'm with you. Like, the timing is super suspect to me. Like, right now, he's balling out. They're in a bye week. They got that extra week to prepare. The timing of the announcement that they're switching to Tua puzzled me because they could have left their week eight opponent kind of questioning or preparing for fits and then just be like, hey, we're, we're rolling Tua out, so good luck with that. See, well, the, the Bears did that with the same thing with Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. the week the week that they were going to play the Colts. Like, they announced it going into the week. It's like, you don't have to announce that at all. Yeah, it just it's, it's puzzling all around, and I totally get what you said with Fitz being up and down. It's just like you could have easily waited two, three weeks for him to hit a lull and then throw Tua in there when it would make much more sense to the fans, the coaches – the fantasy analyst because we matter the most obviously um, yeah but yeah the, i mean uh, i've picked two up in a couple spots in a couple leagues because he's going to be starting and if Fitz can make this offense work i mean they're obviously talented i think the the pass catching weapons it's kind of a wait and see i'm not saying you fire these guys up as if Fitz is going to be slinging the ball 35 40 times a game but 
I mean, Tua is one of the most accurate passers in college football history. So and it has a great deep ball. But Yeah, I think if they're basing this entire thing, like Tua being a starter off of his two minutes in a game, they were up 24 to zero. That's wild. Yeah, there has but, to be more uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, but the it has been going around today, especially that I guess Brian Flores is known for kind of making these these wild wild moves. Like he's very sporadic, just yeah. out of nowhere. He'll 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 turn left when he's when he you think he's gonna go right. Yeah, B Flow's been knocking it out of the park this year, coaching wise too. So. I think one of the better coaches in the NFL, if you look at the situation he's working through, um, I mean, he's, he tanked last year and now they're a team second place in their division. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty impressive what Flores is doing down there, but I mean, this is going to be a huge test for Tua, especially with the expectations. Like you're replacing a, a quarterback who was balling out. It's not like he was struggling and then you're going in there with low expectations. The, I think the expectations one being Tua, they're high, and then like you have the injury risk and all that stuff hanging over him. Like, is he back to a hundred percent? So it's going to be really interesting moving forward, but we have another week to see what that's going to look like. Tua is on by this week and the dolphins are on by. So hopefully you're not playing any of them in your lineups. If you are, I, I can't really offer much more help than just get the, get them the hell out of your lineups. So we'll go ahead and move on now. The Raiders, this is a big one, man. Um, dealing with a potential COVID outbreak there in Las Vegas. And it's not, great man their whole offensive line all their starters have been placed on COVID IR and I all the offensive line starters not their whole starting 11 on offense but they're all deemed a high risk uh, to spread COVID so they're all on the COVID IR they're probably not playing this week and I haven't really seen much more as to any additional positive test outside of the offensive line but I mean you have five guys that are on the IR and they're five really important pieces to this offense so Did we'll they talk all about this game test later. Positive for it? One of them tested positive. I know of, I assume the others did as well. I think there was more positive tests, but I did see that they were all headed to that reserve list. So I would assume that means they're all positive. Yeah. So it could have some big implications for this weekend's game. Um, they're playing the bills. I think they're playing the bills. No, the bills play the jets. Who's, oh, they're playing Tampa Bay, which is even worse because Tampa Bay's defense just destroyed Green Bay. So, yeah, it could be a field day, but we'll talk about that game in our game breakdowns. Just wanted to hit on the COVID piece for news. Another piece of news, Antonio Brown drawing interest from the Seattle Seahawks amongst other NFL teams, currently serving an eight-week suspension for various like offenses last year during his whole fiasco of a season. Um, Brown, I think, has retired twice this year. And now he's coming back supposedly to a team and there's genuine interest in acquiring Brown by more than just the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are the front runner, but I mean, Brown's, I think 32 years old, one of the best receivers to ever play the game statistically and really athletically. I mean, the dude is just dominant on the field, but he hasn't played meaningful snaps in almost two years. So it'll be interesting to see what he can bring back to a team for whichever team chooses to sign him. Um, he's a guy in fantasy. I think if you have a bench spot to burn, then worth stashing for a couple weeks. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be, he's a volatile player. He's a volatile personality. He could just end up like, there's still legal things surrounding Antonio Brown, not just the NFL suspension. Like 
legal action that could be pursued with him. So it's a dart throw, but at this point in the year, if you're a losing team and need a, a potential high end wide receiver two, back end wide receiver one, if he can kind of pick up where he left off in his career, Antonio Brown's worth stashing. Uh, this one's interesting. Michael Thomas is limited in practice. So we know he had the sprained ankle in week one. Now he's had a hamstring injury added to the injury report. And he's obviously in doubt to play this week. I think today he was a, and by the way, we record on Thursdays. Um, so this is October 22nd. So this is the latest news I have so far, but I don't think he practiced on Thursday. So this weekend's prognosis, not looking great. Some more DNPs for Thursday, Jameson Crowder and then AJ Brown. So AJ Brown, I'm not sure if it was kind of a rest day, but he's been dealing with knee injuries. Uh, he had the bone bruise and he was added to the injury report a couple weeks later with a, maybe a different knee injury. He didn't practice on Thursday. So some of the injury news right there. Now Denver Broncos running back Melvin Gordon is not expected to be suspended by the team following a DUI arrest last week. This one puzzled me. And we talked about this on a previous pod because one of my beefs with, I guess like high or a list people or B list, whatever the hell is like, not just you and I is if we got pot for a DUI, we're in jail, we fucking get fired. Our life is totally tip turned upside down. And Melvin Gordon might not even face a suspension for a single game. So reactions on this. Uh, I think it's interesting. The, I guess there's a little bit of a difference, but I mean, when they, when they had uh, Chad Kelly and he got drunk, he ended up in somebody else's house. So I guess there's that, but I mean, they were very quick to release him. Yeah. Not yeah, just suspend. They released him in, mm -hmm. I mean, Melvin Gordon, I assume since he's a starter, they're just not going to do anything with. It's, it's weird too. Cause you look at other situations, obviously not, I don't know. It's like Kareem Hunt lied to the team was kicked off. Obviously that was for a domestic violence incident, but I mean, last week we were looking at a three to four game suspension minimum, you know, like based off of this action here, DUI, like he could have killed somebody or himself, honestly driving drunk. So now we're looking at no suspension and he could play this week, which really blows my mind, but above our pay grade. So we just get to sit here and bitch about it. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed in the team not taking action versus what was a really, really, really irresponsible behavior by one of their, even I'll be at a starting player. Um, it just puts these guys on a different playing field, I think. And not a good example, especially for younger fans. Like I know, obviously football and football players are kind of idolized by fans and you see a, a young kid sees their favorite player driving drunk, not great, especially when no uh, repercussions are taken. Um, my last piece of news, and I saved it because it's the best, best for last, Deontay Johnson, full participant, full participant in practice. So he is on track to play week seven versus Tennessee. No, this is the game that was supposed to be played in week five, postponed to week seven because of the COVID outbreak in Tennessee, which by all like intensive purposes, that's under control. So uh, this game's on track to be played. Steelers took their buy in week five as a result of this game being moved. So they don't get a buy the rest of the season, which kind of sucks for them. But anyways, that's all the news. Al, do you have anything that you saw pop up in the last couple hours or are we good to move on? Um, I mean, nothing that's super fantasy related, but I did see where the Vikings are trading uh, defensive end Yannick Nagako. 
Nagakwe. Nagakwe. <laughs> well, to the Ravens for a third uh, 2021 third round and a 2022 fifth. Yeah, I think noteworthy for me personally as a Packers fan is I'm not sad to see him go out of that division. So Didn't he just get traded from the Jags? Yeah, the Vikings just acquired him like in the offseason. They're already trading him away. I think the Vikings might be seeing the writing on the wall as like they're headed toward kind of a rebuild, not wanting to pay this guy that much money. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, that's total speculation. But um, yeah, Ngakwe out of the NFC North is totally fine with me. So I guess we'll go ahead and move on now. This is our second edition of the trophy case. Probably hear the train in the background, and I apologize for that. Uh, That's good old Muncie for you. But this is our second installment of the trophy case. If you did not listen last week, it was our very first time doing this segment. And what we do is I picked a show that I know me and Al both really love. It's Psych on USA Network. Fantastic show. Uh, I just I didn't explain the premise of the show for people who haven't listened. It's a guy, his name's Sean, and he grew up with a detective as a dad. And um, it's like hyper observant. So he pretends to be psychic working for the police department to help them solve crimes. That's the premise. Along the way, he has his best friend named Gus, and he spontaneously nicknames Gus throughout the show in random situations. One of my favorite bits in the whole show is the Gus nicknames. So what we did for this segment is we took my favorite and Al's favorite Gus nicknames, and we're going to hand out awards to NFL players honoring Gus's aliases um each week so we'll start out with the jackal that's a gus nickname they're all gus nicknames i'll repeat that maybe one more time and i think everyone will get the hang of it so um yeah the jackal goes to the the best run of the weekend so al hit yours and then we'll move on to our next award do my best run of the weekend i'm giving it daniel jones with his 50 yard run on a designed quarterback keep i mean he's getting daniel jones has some wheels I mean, he's known to be a somewhat mobile quarterback, but just the fact that that terrible, terrible Giants offense had a big play like that and Daniel Jones being the guy that did it is rather impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, So congrats to Daniel Jones on your Jackal Award. Be in the mail. Um, We're doing non-priority shipping, so maybe you'll never see it. But yeah, congrats anyways. My Jackal Award for <laughs> <laughs> my Jackal Award for last week goes to Debo Samuel, and I'm kind of pulling some strings here. It was technically a tap pass, almost looked like a handoff, but it was his play versus the Rams. It looked like kind of an end around. He took on two defenders, and it was one of those plays where he ends up on top of a pile, but no part of him touched the ground. The players kind of stopped, but Debo's like, "Yo, I'm not down," so he gets up and takes off for a 35 yard gain. One, incredible physicality taken on those two defenders. And then just the wherewithal to say, I'm not down and go for a big chunk gain. So awesome. I'm glad Debo's back and healthy. And he brings this kind of potential week in and week out. They get him involved in the the rushing game. And in this case, uh, Garoppolo got credited with a 35-yard pass that Debo just took right out of his hands. So, um, yeah. So congrats to Debo and your Jackal Award again be there maybe never so we're gonna go ahead and move on now to our jazz hands award so the jackal goes to the best run jazz hands goes to the best catch al you and i have the same one this is going to zach pascal 
your uh, your Colts, probably the best wide receiver on the team right now with uh, Pittman and Campbell being out. T.Y. Hilton's not looked great. But Zach Pascal had a hell of a catch right at the end of the first half. Super acrobatic. He jumped up. It was kind of a back shoulder pass, but he was in the middle-ish of the end zone. Made a super sweet adjustment. And then, like, his feet just whipped over it. And, like, I don't know, it was sweet. So, kind of corkscrewed midair. Came down with his ball. Uh, what was your reaction to that play? I know you're a Colts fan, so you're probably watching that game. Yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, when you have a super talented quarterback in Phillip Rivers who <laughs> uh, can make those super kinds talented. of throws. Yeah, can make those kind of throws. I mean, nothing like making your receiver do a little bit of extra work, but I'm glad, glad Zach Pascoe was there to do it because if he doesn't, we don't win that game. So Yeah, it was very, very close. The Colts looked like steaming Dog ass. Dog shit in the first half and then came back and the Bengals looked like steaming ass in the second half. So this traded spots essentially, but yeah, I mean, congrats to Zach Pascal. He got two jazz hands awards. Um, best week of his life. has got to be. So we'll go ahead and move on. Now. This is one of my personal favorites, the trending on Twitter award. This is not trending on Twitter. This is a Gus nickname where he was just called trending on Twitter and on Twitter is like one word. It's last name. Hilarious episode. So this goes to a player or team or instance that kind of broke the internet in one way or another. And I felt kind of bad for picking this one, but so I've always had, I've always had beef with the way the NFL schedules games. I think a lot of people do um, because they load up the one o'clock window with like eight games or nine games. And then the, the late afternoon there's two. So you got the Packers and the Bucks and then the Jets, I don't even know who they played. The Dolphins, Jets and the Dolphins. And the Jets were just getting dragged on Twitter. Um, they were playing like shit. They're the last winless team in the league. And then after the game and throughout the week, they've been trending all over Twitter because multiple NFL advisors and former players, including Roddy White, a former wide receiver for the Falcons, kind of a successful wide receiver, um, they're telling Trevor Lawrence to stay at Clemson if the Jets end up with the first overall pick. So that was kind of a, a buzzy topic going around. Um, do you think Lawrence should stay? I do. I mean, if they absolutely, man. I mean, I've been saying it for weeks now, dude. The Jets are terrible. You do not want to be a part of that organization. I don't think their owners really want that team to have success. If they get the number one pick the best thing for anyone who plays college football to do is to go back to school. If you can avoid the jets at all costs. Yeah, I agree. So the New York jets get this week's trending on Twitter award from both of us uh, because they're just such a dumpster fire that they need two awards. So congratulations to the jets. This could be a good award, but this week it's not so good. So um, good job jets. The next award, this is actually a bad award. This is the Girton Buster. Um, this is a player who busted or let you down or massively underperformed. Um, I'll go ahead and kick this one off. Ezekiel Elliott, man. Ezekiel Elliott. I just said Ezekiel. I didn't know if I wanted to say Zeke or Ezekiel, so I just combined them. So let's go with Zeke Elliott. Two fumbles versus Arizona. 80 total yards. No touchdowns. Looked terrible. He did not look good. The, the Cowboys didn't look good. We could have easily given this award, the trending on Twitter award to the Cowboys for how badly they got rolled by the Cardinals. So, I mean, it was the first week of Andy Dalton, but you have this steady, reliable 300 plus touch a year back in Zeke who just goes out there and 
totally sucks in week six versus the Cardinals who looked pretty dang good. So Zeke, you get my Gert and Buster award. Luckily I don't have you in any of my teams. So my fantasy week wasn't impacted by your shitty performance, but I know a lot of people's were. So Gert and Buster goes to Zeke for me. Al, who do you have it going to? The entire Browns offense. You can make a case for Kareem Hunt, but the Browns just overall last week against the Steelers did not play great. Baker probably being the main focal point in that, but just the Browns offense as a whole. Yeah, Baker ended up on the bench, and there's speculation. The probability is what it was due to his injury, and he was just kind of taking shots the whole game. Uh, the Steelers, we'll talk about them in a bit, generating the most pressures on quarterbacks in the league. So Baker was just getting lit up, um, threw a pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick. And, yeah, he ended up on the bench in the second half. But, yeah, I, I, I like this call. The, the Browns offense did not do anyone any favors. Um, sorry, Richard. We know you're a regular listener, so sorry for your Browns laying a total dud up against the Steelers. Uh, the next award. The Gee Buttersnaps, a.k.a. the Heater Award. This is the player who went off, loved it. Um, they just had a really, really great game. You know, it could be Alex had a kind of an obscure one last week with TJ Yeldon. So a player kind of coming out of nowhere or a player who just like you can't look away from what they did. So I think this week these two players are really well-deserving. Uh, mine is Justin Jefferson. Nine catches, 166 yards, and two touchdowns versus Atlanta last week. Obviously a great matchup, but they were playing from behind in that game, and they ended up losing. But Jefferson posted his second wide receiver one overall of the week and or of the year as a rookie in fantasy football. That's very good. I can't recall a receiver who's had um, two wide receiver one finishes as a rookie in um, my time playing fantasy football. So. Shout out to Justin Jefferson. Dude's a stud. So, um, yeah, Al, who's your Gee Buttersnaps award going to this week? I give mine to Ronald Jones. He uh, last week had over 100 yards and two touchdowns, but he also in the last three games has had over 100 yards and uh, I think maybe four touchdowns. He's on a roll, man. I don't know what the yeah. numbers are. We'll look those up later. But, I mean, you he's can... definitely taken that lead spot in Tampa Bay and – you know, I'll admit it. I was shitting on him at the beginning of the season. I'll I'll recognize that, but he's kind of taken over that backfield, and he's definitely the lead guy there. So, I mean, good for him, though. Congrats yeah, with Fournette award. being out, with Fournette being out, he's really had the opportunity to not really compete for touches and show what he can do. So, even when Fournette's back in healthy, I expect Rojo to be the the favorite kind of by a significant margin when it comes to them splitting work. And if Fournette even comes back, we don't know. Like he's had history of injury and nagging injury throughout his career. So he could be out for even longer. I mean, he's questionable at this time, but I mean, there's no rush for the Bucks to bring him back, especially when Rojo's playing this well. Next award, we have two more. This is the Gus TT Showbiz Award. The extra T is for extra talent. This is the weekly best. One of the, the performances you're just like, wow. So this one went to Derrick Henry for both of us. Mr. Henry, you have King two of Henry. these awards coming. Good grief. 212 yards, two touchdowns, um, scored the game winner in overtime, and his first touchdown run was 94 yards. Derrick Henry is like six foot five, 250 or 260 pounds. Dude got up to 21.6 miles per hour. 
That's like a refrigerator running at you at the speed of a car. It is insane. So a big, a man that big should not be able to run that fast. He does it all the time. But yeah, this week's award for both of us goes to Derek Henry. So congratulations. And our last award is the Magic Head Award. The best moment from the weekend, not necessarily a big play or a player, but a moment. And my moment goes to the Atlanta Falcons picking up their first win of the season. Um, could have gone to the Giants because I think they got their first win last year. But the Falcons, they actually look good for the first time all year. They had a lead. They kept a lead. And just shout out to Julio Jones scoring twice. Um, yeah, we don't see a lot of touchdowns out of Julio. So a two TD game, first game off of firing uh, Dan Quinn. Maybe this is something that we see more out of Julio. So yeah, Al, your Magic Head Award goes to? Yeah, I mean, we touched on it earlier. It's uh, the moment where Ryan Fitzpatrick was pumping, uh, pumping up the crowd when Tua came into the game. I just thought it was really cool. You don't really ever see that where the starters pumping up the crowd because he's excited for the backup to come in and you know two is a, a rookie so he's finally getting his shot in the nfl and that's exciting and you know ryan's kind of a an underdog story himself so i'm sure he not that two is an underdog but i mean fitzpatrick can recognize that that moment and how awesome it actually is and so him just standing on the sideline being excited before he got fired uh is pretty cool yeah, I love that moment. It was so cool to see. And like looking back retrospectively, what we know now is Fitz didn't know he was going to get benched like a day later. Exactly. So it makes it really, really bittersweet because you saw like genuine joy in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And then that's a guy who's like, hey, we have this game in the bag. We're going to roll out our backups. We're going to get him some some reps. And then it comes just a couple of days later that, Oh no, that was his tryout. He took your job. So it was yeah. very bittersweet, but in the moment, no doubt. And Fitz has handled it like a true pro. I mean, he was interviewed and um, just maintained a lot of class. He said he was heartbroken and like, yeah, I get it, man. Dude was balling out and just, it sucks. He's going to be on the bench, but um, I am excited to see Tua. And I think Fitz is going to continue to be a really great mentor for Tua. And we saw that with his kind of, cheering up to a in this game so super cool and yeah it's just gonna be an interesting kind of soap opera through the rest of the year for the dolphins but all right those are awards that's our news it's our intro um i think this is gonna kind of be our new intro throughout the week and or the weeks coming up so i hope you guys are enjoying the trophy case segment it's a lot of fun for us to hand out these awards uh, especially kind of reminiscent one of our favorite shows of all time so you should definitely check that out on prime tv and you won't regret it it's hilarious so now we're going to move into our game breakdowns we're going to go through we're going to run through every game give the over under and then talk about a few fantasy relevant pieces from each game pick a winner pick a loser move on um i forgot to do a lock in an upset so that's my bad um so i, I don't need to talk about it then we'll also we started doing this last week is as we approach a game where we have a start of the week you're going to hear this sound that will alert you that we are about to talk about an important player whether it's a start or a sit you'll hear the same sound i'm still trying to iron out some things maybe with using some different noises but for right now it's the dj horn um let's go ahead and hop right in we're not going to talk about thursday night game that's going on right now we're not watching it because we're committed to this podcast so you're welcome Cleveland and Cincinnati. We have a divisional rivalry. We have Cleveland at four and two, Cincinnati at one and four. The 
Browns are three point favorites and the over under is 50 and a half. So three points is a tight spread. We have the Browns coming off a pretty abysmal loss to the Patriot or the, the Steelers, my bad. And then the Bengals still only have that one win. Um, Burrow's hungry for that second one. I know it's out. How, how do you see this game going? The last time they played, I mean, it was, I believe it may have been a close game. I'm not sure what the exact score was, but I know it was closer than when they played uh, Baltimore, when Cleveland played Baltimore. So I do see Cleveland winning this game. Uh, maybe a little more heavily than what it was last time. Yeah, last time they played, it was week two. Um, it was 35-30, to 30, Browns win. That was the game that Joe Burrow threw 61 passes um, in his mm-hmm. second career start. So, um, yeah, 61 pass attempts, 37 completions, 316 yards, and three touchdowns. So we see from that performance a rookie Joe Burrow in his second game. Cleveland is a very get- gettable defense. Like, And I think the emergence of some of the pieces, T. Higgins specifically, kind of stepping into that A.J. Brown-esque role, or not A.J. Brown, A.J. Green-esque role. Tyler Boyd's been consistent. Joe Mixon's injured, so that's something to monitor. But I think the Browns are more susceptible to lose through the air. Um, not having a playmaker like Joe Mixon's not going to be great. But I think Gio Bernard can fill in serviceably for um, Mixon as a runner. And then he obviously has the pass catching upside as well. So I'm not saying Gio is a great start, but I think that the receiving options here have come a long way since that week two matchup. With Baker being hurt, I think the ribs are a bigger deal than people are letting on. The offensive line is not healthy. Baker's just getting obliterated. The wide receivers haven't been playing well. Um, And obviously losing Nick Chubb is not great. Kareem Hunt's a very, very good player. And I think in this matchup, he's going to have a great game. But yeah, man, something says since he wins this game to me, it it just feels like I feel like Burrow, knowing it's a divisional game and he's pissed off all this losing, I feel like since he could sneak this one out, but I think you have a start of the week in this game, don't you? Yeah, dude, T. Higgins for Hit sure. Hit the horn, Absolutely. dude. So unprepared. I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah, man, T. Uh, T. Higgins, start of the week this week against that uh, somewhat questionable Browns secondary. Each week, you kind of see Higgins' yards get higher and higher, and his targets improve. And um, he had a hundred yard, over a hundred yards last week against the Colts. So uh, he's becoming a main target for Burrow in that in that offense. And I mean, he's got he's got good speed. He's got good height. I mean, watch watch T. Higgins this week. He's going to be good. So if you got him, play him. Yeah, and the Browns are bad against opposing wide receivers. Um, they're allowing. 29 points per game to opposing wide receivers. And I mean, we saw this matchup last time Burrow just went nuts throwing the ball. So it could be another matchup kind of like that. So I don't necessarily know if the Browns defense is going to, or the Bengals defense is going to be able to stop the Browns. So I don't know if the Browns defense is going to be able to slow down Burrow, especially being that bad against the pass. They might not even need to lean into the run. They might just be like, Joe, go throw it 60 times again. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of excited for this game. Um, just it, the rivalry and stuff like that. It's going to be fun to watch. So, Al, who's your winner in this game? 
You said I'm Cleveland. Taking, yeah, I'm taking Cleveland. Okay, I'll take Cincy. Um, next, Dallas and Washington. Man. Oh. <laughs> I think in our work pickups today, I picked Washington to win this game. Um, I don't see a current over-under or a current favorite. The over-under is only 46 points. Um, the Washington football team coming in at one at five, one and five. Um, Dallas is two and four. Dallas is leading the division with this two and four record. It's pretty embarrassing. It's disgusting. So, yeah, it's bad, man. Um, Dallas, I think, is zero and two on the road, and they're playing in Washington. So something to note. Not like it's a super super far travel, but Dallas is not playing as well outside of Jerry World. So um, this week I have start of the week from this game my start of the week in this game is terry mclaurin versus dallas's defense dallas is one of the worst they are only better than the seahawks when it comes to fantasy points allowed to wide receivers um allowing over 30 points to wide receivers per game terry mclaurin is figuring things out i think this year it was a slow start for him but he is currently the wide receiver 18 through six weeks. Um, so a low end wide receiver too, but you think about the quarterback change, you think about just them not being very good. You have a new offensive system. McLaurin's still a top 20 wide receiver. We'll look at his targets this year, 58 targets. Um, he had 93 total targets all of last season and 36 receptions brings it to a 62% catch rate right now. Um, which last year I think he was right around that same 62% mark. So he's already on pace to get significantly more targets in 2020 than he did in 2019. So proving he's that true alpha number one wide receiver. And he's got 487 yards on the season and still only that one touchdown. So for him to rank as a top 20 wide receiver with just one touchdown, I think it says really how good and how involved he is in the offense. And then you combine that with a defense who can't stop anyone through the air. Kyle Allen, I think, is mildly interesting this week because of this matchup. And I think Kyle Allen's great. Alex thinks Kyle Allen's shit. So, but in this matchup, I mean, he's startable, I believe. Um, Antonio Gibson's a guy I would start is um, kind of a, an RB2. I'd expect mid to maybe upper end RB2 numbers because Gibson is a guy who's continues to get more and more involved and has all year. And Ron Rivera is speaking highly of Gibson as uh, recently as this week. So I think they're going to try to get him more involved. So another note with McLaurin is he's seen double digit targets in three games this year. And one of them coming last week in Kyle Allen's first complete game as a starter, he saw 12 targets. So we saw Kyle Allen's very first start, he got hurt. And then last week he played the whole game and targeted McLaurin 12 times. So yeah, this is a gettable matchup for McLaurin. And I like him as my start of the week at wide receiver. So who's winning this game out? I think Washington's gonna win this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Washington as well. I have a sit of the week though in this game as well. Bring it on. That being uh Schultz, the tight end for Dallas. Is his name Dalton or Dan? Dalton. You had Dalton. Dan, I changed it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Dalton Schultz, man, tight end for the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. I just think a couple of reasons. Couple of reasons there. I just think that offense has too many weapons for him to have meaningful opportunities, I guess is a good way to put it. And if you look back at you know McCarthy's time in Green Bay, they the the tight end wasn't heavily used. Um 
I mean, they do have Andy Dalton in now, so you don't know exactly how it's going to go. But I think Dalton Schultz, at least for this week, is a sit for me. I know the Washington defense isn't exactly great, but I just think you're probably going to see CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper. Uh, even though Zeke had a bad week last week, they're probably going to give him the rock a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, Schultz, one thing – so you mentioned McCarthy not really leaning into tight ends, but Andy Dalton has. So we saw him in Cincinnati with Tyler Eifert when Eifert was kind of a a tight end one for there for a few years, and he was able to stay healthy. So Schultz did have five was targets. much more athletic, though, than Schultz. Yeah, 100%. Like, Schultz is the backup for this end. team, and he's only playing because Jarwin tore his ACL. So, yeah, I don't mind the call to sit him. I don't know if a lot of people are starting him, but it's good to know. Just avoid this player. There's, It's not really worth taking that dart, though. There's better options for sure. So we'll go ahead and move on now. Detroit and Atlanta. I have another start of the week here. Hit the horn. So quarterback. We're going to go Matt Stafford. I'm going to continue targeting the Atlanta defense for quarterbacks because they're one of the worst, if not the worst in the league. Let me verify that really quick. Yeah. The Falcons are allowing the most points by a wide margin to opposing quarterbacks. Last week I called Kirk cousins as my start of the week. And I walked that shit back at halftime when Kirk cousins was scoring like negative four fantasy points. I said, you gotta be kidding me. And Kirk Cousins ended up as like the QB eight on the week. So still came back versus that terrible defense and put up a nice game. So Stafford so far. Yeah. He's been underwhelming. I had some high expectations for Stafford. I have him in quite a few of my own leagues and we have not seen a 300 yard game, but I think this is the week where he kind of puts up that, that breakout 2020 game where he could finish as a, a pretty high end QB one, given the matchup. Um, in week five, so they're coming off of their bye, I believe. Um, are they? I don't remember. Shit. I don't know. But their most recent game, we saw Galladay have his first 100-yard game of the season. We saw DeAndre Swift get going with a 100-yard rushing day and two touchdowns. And then Hawkinson had a touchdown. Marvin Jones is a guy who's been pretty slow as of late. So um, look for him to get kind of – his season turned around because this is a matchup where I think all receiving options can really feast. Um, and Swift is a guy based on what we saw last week. I think he's going to kind of emerge. There's the, the RB one for Detroit. So if you've got him, I think you can start him in this matchup. Cause he also is one of the best pass catching running backs in um, amongst rookies. And I mean, in a, a league that kind of prioritizes pass catching running backs. That's why Detroit drafted him because he can do both things super well. So he has no reason to be off the field. Um, yeah. So I like Stafford this week in this matchup and you should too. So I think this is finally a week you can be excited about starting Stafford and fingers crossed him right. So what else do you see in this matchup out? Do you think Atlanta's offense can stay humming the way they were? Yeah, man, I think yeah, on, on both sides, you're going to see a very heavily offensive game. I don't think defense is really going to be uh, a present present factor in this game, I guess. But, I mean, you're going to see Ridley, Julio, um, probably Gurley. Hurst. And maybe even, yeah, even Hurst all have good games. And then – I mean, everyone that you just mentioned on Detroit side probably going to have a good game. Even Matt Ryan probably have a good game. Yeah, I think if the pieces – They're just going to be slinging the ball. 
Yeah, if you're excited about the ancillary pieces for that quarterback, I mean, you kind of have to be excited for the quarterback because they're the one delivering the ball. Um, you spoke on the, the kind of lack of defense, the over-under is 55, and it's projected to be close because Atlanta's only favored by two and a half. So that means a lot of points for both sides. So this is a fantasy-rich matchup. Target this one in DFS. And if you have these guys in your redraft rosters, I would fire them up this week, feeling pretty good about it. Um, yeah, so Atlanta's looking for that second win. Detroit's got the, se- the two wins, two and three. So uh, who's your winner here? And then we'll move on. I'll take Atlanta. Take Atlanta? Okay, I will – I'll take Atlanta as well. You know, I called them as my win last week, and they got that that dub. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they can keep it going for no specific reason, honestly. I'm not an Atlanta fan, but any NFC losses – I'll take, so I'll take Atlanta in this game. NFC North, that is, because Detroit's obviously in the Packers division, so they can eat shit. Next game, another divisional matchup, Carolina and New Orleans. New Orleans is favored by seven and a half, 51 point over under. This is a, I think, another kind of point fest we're looking at here. Carolina's defense is very, very beatable through the air. But so is New Orleans. I don't think a lot of people kind of realize that they're giving up quite a few points to quarterbacks and wide receivers um, as of late. So we talked about Michael Thomas potentially missing this game or probably missing this game. So Drew Brees is going to be really leaning into Alvin Kamara, which Alvin Kamara, gosh, he should be in the running for the RB1 on the week given this matchup. Um, Traquan Smith is going to be kind of in the mix again, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. Those are kind of the big names I'd look at in New Orleans. Um, from the Carolina side of the ball, I think because of, one, the the high-scoring matchup, and two, the defense kind of being good to go up against for offense, they might not win the game, but they're going to be able to move the ball. So this is a week where I am looking, really looking forward to starting Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. I think Mike Davis gets back on track. Um, New Orleans is surprisingly bad versus the tight end. So Ian Thomas is a dart throw if you need a tight end starter. But I don't really think beyond that there's much in Carolina. I think Curtis Samuel should be back this week too. And Curtis Samuel has not been that great, but he has been heavily, heavily relied on in Carolina on third down specifically. So they will be excited to get him back as another playmaker in the offense. So I think, yeah, this is a game where you can start most of these pieces and kind of feel good. I'd be more confident in the Carolina side than the New Orleans side. Um, New Orleans, I think it's just Kamara is who I'm most comfortable with and maybe Latavius Murray because Carolina's defense is so bad versus the run. So any thoughts here, Al? Dude, overall, that New Orleans team is just under – I mean, it's underwhelming. They need slant boy. held up. Yeah, they they have not held up. I honestly don't know that Michael Thomas, if he was there, would make that big of a difference. Like, I think that whole team is just in a slump right now. And they have been kind of all season. I know they're 3-2, and two, but they've yeah, they looked, they looked bad. Yeah, I agree. This is a team that I had going to the Super Bowl. And, yeah, we talked at the top of the show potentially about Maybe it was before we hopped on, I'm not sure, but about revisiting some of those things next week as we approach midseason. Um, where are we at on our calls and kind of who we think at this point in the season um, is kind of primed to win these awards and kind of take that next step toward the playoffs and things like that. So 
Um, New Orleans winning this game, I assume. I know oh, we yeah. kind of talk shit about them, but I think that, yeah, this is a matchup they should win, especially coming off of a bye. They've had an extra week to prepare for an already pretty bad team. So, I mean, Carolina's three and three, so they're not as bad as anyone thought. But um, yeah, I think New Orleans is going to get this one done as well. Next, Buffalo and the Jets. Let's not talk about the Jets at all. I don't think there's anyone worth starting on that team. They're 0-6. They suck ass. I'm not even going to predict Adam Gase gets fired. Maybe if I don't, then it actually will happen. Let's talk about the Bills because I think that's the only side of the ball we're worried about. Um, the Bills are 10.5-point favorites. or 12.5, excuse me, 12.5-point favorites and a 45-point over-under. So they're going to be doing yeah, most of the this score. Is my, this is my lock, lock of the week. It's a safe lock. I'll go ahead and throw my uh, chips on that one too. So – I bills mean you start. I think the only reason you would even hesitate with starting the main pieces here is they might not play the whole game because they're not going to have to um, yeah. kind of like a, a backup situation where they're just winning by so much that it's like, all right, Josh, take a break. And like Gabe Davis might go in there and take some of Stefan Diggs's looks. Um, I just don't even see how the jets can keep this one close, honestly. So I agree with that. I'm yeah. kind of hoping Allen Allen goes back to the way he was playing the first four weeks. Yeah, this uh, is and kind of get out of uh rookie or Allen headspace. And... Yeah. It's gonna have to be a get right game for him because he has looked kind of shaken for the first time. I mean, starting out the year, he was facing some really, really favorable matchups. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why he was looking like I don't I don't want to say he's only good versus bad teams, but he was great versus bad teams and versus good teams. He struggled. So he started out the year with the jets, the dolphins, the Rams, which was like one of his best, most impressive performances because the Rams are actually good. And then the Raiders, I guess, Tennessee, um, pretty good, but he didn't have a stellar game. He threw two picks and then versus Kansas city, he threw a pick and only threw two touchdowns. So also only threw for 122 yards. So yeah, I mean, Allen's kind of been slumping versus what we saw the first three games of the year. But this is a matchup, I think, that he can just kind of go out and do whatever he wants. So, Stefan Diggs will probably go off, too. So Yeah, it's just another one of those things. How long are they going to play, in my opinion? Yeah. So, next game, Packers and Texans. Packers got their asses handed to them in a really nice basket by the Buccaneers last week. The defense looked amazing. Um, the Bucks defense, that is, the Packers didn't look good on either side of the ball. They couldn't really do anything on offense at all. They got they off to for a hot the first start. Two drives. Oh, they're amazing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers did the uh, key and peel double pump celebration. I said, this game's fucking over. And then they just got waxed the rest of the game. They didn't score another point from that time. And Rodgers didn't even score that touchdown and actually got called back for no reason. Like he slid forward and then the ball crossed the plane before he was touched down but they called him down short, which is stupid because then the double pump didn't even count, but one of the best um, Aaron Rodgers moments for me. Uh, yeah, but they just got their asses whipped the rest of the game. And they're going to Houston, which is a one-in-five team. Um, this is a 57-point over-under. Three-and-a-half-point favorites are my Green Bay Packers, and I think this is kind of one where the Packers look to get back on track because um, like, they did not look good at all, and I you told me this a couple of weeks ago, or actually it was last week, 
they're 0-3 in the past three years coming off of a bye week. So I'm going to chalk this one up to history. Um, Rodgers himself said they kind of needed to get their ass kicked to kind of reset and bring them back down to earth a little bit. But yeah, last week's performance isn't going to steer me away from any of the Packers starters. Specifically, I will start Rodgers in this game. Aaron Jones is primed to go off. Houston is still one of the worst defenses versus the run. We saw what Derrick Henry did last week. Um, I don't think Jones goes for 212 rushing yards, but he could push that 150 yards from scrimmage and find the end zone a couple times with his usage. And then Devontae Adams um, coming back last week for the first time in two games, he kind of looked like he was getting his feet wet again. He's had some mental errors, but was still targeted pretty heavily. So I think this is a good matchup for him as well. And then the ancillary wide receivers, I'm not mega interested in unless you need a dart throw, um, i.e., Marcos Valdez Scantling or who else is even there? Equinemius got a couple targets last week that he dropped. So RIP to that season. He's off IR, yeah. which is fine, but not not a good I way to get more targets. going into the season, man. I know. I thought about shooting you a couple trade offers a few weeks ago because I knew you liked him so much, but I don't think I could even do it now. <laughs> He'll remain on my taxi squad. But yeah, I mean, from the, the Houston side of the ball, I mean, on paper, Green Bay, David Johnson should have a good game. They're beatable on the ground. Deshaun Watson, you start every week. Um, I think Brian Cooks might have another good game as well. Yeah, Cooks and Fuller, I think until we see a reason not to start them, you just continue to start them. They've been looking pretty good, and Watson's got to get that ball somewhere. Um, Darren Fells has been he's – ha- he's put up two back-to-back good weeks. So um, tight end – I mean, we got four teams on by this week. If you need a tight end, you could do way worse than Fells, in my opinion, especially versus this Packers defense, kind of soft over the middle. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we like the Packers to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're the ones I'm going with. For sure. Yeah. So, and I don't know if there's any other names we need to touch on. Um, Packers, I'd say to stick to your main three and Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Um, what about Robert Tunyon? I learned today it was Tunyon, like onion. Um, would you start him in this matchup? Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. He's had he's been a pretty big part of that offense past yeah. few weeks. So good deal. I mean the the Houston defense isn't great, so I'm sure he'll get some big looks from Rogers. Yeah. Then Houston, we got Watson, Johnson, um, Cooks and Fuller and Fells if you're uh, in a pinch at tight end. So yeah, we'll go ahead and move on now. Go to Seattle and Arizona. This is a point fest. Seattle is favored over Arizona by three and a half, a 56 point over under. This is going to be a fun one, man. This is, I think, a, a divisional matchup. Seattle is one of the last remaining undefeated teams. They're five and zero, oh, coming off their bye, so they've had an extra week to get ready for this one. Arizona coming off of a really big win versus Dallas, so they have a lot of momentum certainly heading into this divisional game. Um, yeah, what do you think here, man? The uh, I did it last week. I did it last week. <laughs> there you go. I did it last week. I'm gonna do it this week. Kyler Murray, if you got him, hammer the start because Seattle's defense, they definitely are not the Seattle defense you're used to. So, with with Kyler Murray's passing abilities and also everything he could do on the ground um if you got him you gotta start him 
uh, I forget who I was talking to, but I brought it up. We didn't go into the argument, but I said you can make an argument for Kyler Murray being a better double threat quarterback than Lamar Jackson. This year, certainly. Lamar's not throwing at all, and Kyler's running just as much. So yeah. he doesn't have like the big, huge hundred yard games and a touchdown on the ground, but he's running consistently. And Kyler will throw for 300 yards and Lamar is averaging less than 190 yards per game. So, and I think that shows, I think Kyler, let me check really quick. Kyler might be the QB one on the year. If uh, yeah, let me verify. I think he is. He certainly Kyler's, is. Kyler's got plenty of highlights with his mobility on the ground. And then if he needs to drop back and throw a 45-yard pass, he can absolutely do that and drop it right into a basket. Yeah, and Kyler is leading Lamar. So Lamar is the QB7, so still a QB1. Um, yeah, Kyler is over 30 points ahead of Lamar Jackson right now in terms of fantasy points on the year. And worth noting, Dak Prescott is still the QB5, still leads the league in passing. I know we're not talking about the Cowboys right now, but man, what he could have been if he would have remained healthy this year. He's yeah, like I said, still leading the league in passing after a full week off. So man, that sucks. But yeah, back to the, the Cardinals and the uh the Seahawks. I, I totally agree. I think Kyler is kind of taking that Lamar Jackson step um this year, and kind of a lot of people predicted that, but he's making it happen for sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't think in terms of fantasy, there's a lot of Oh, what do we do? You start these guys. You start um, Kyler, obviously. You start DeAndre Hopkins because Seattle is terrible against the pass. You start Christian Kirk. He had two touchdowns last week. I think this is a matchup where you kind of want the pass catching weapons, especially. Um, my questions with Arizona come in the backfield. Kenyon Drake balled out last week. Said he got called out by his mom, which I know that works for me. Apparently, it works for NFL <laughs> players too. But, uh, yeah, man, like, are you starting Drake coming off of that huge game or do you still kind of not believe in him? I feel like you have to start him, but I don't know. You Do you temper expectations? Or do you expect him to kind of step into that RB1 role that we kind of thought he was going to? I know you have pretty strong feelings on Drake. Yeah, um, he was almost, I'll admit, he was almost my sit of the week and running back. And then, I don't know, dude, just because Seattle – I mean, their defense is – I mean, it's it's week to week whether they're going to do good or whether they're going to be bad. And so it's just week to week. So I took him off because there is a chance that he has he has a big week. But I think at this point it's just such a risk that you just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't love starting Kenyon Drake, but he showed you last week that he can pop off a huge run and get you – he can win you a week by himself. And that's what he did in the last half of last year, which is why everyone was so excited about him heading into 2020. Um, yeah. I mean, I can, I'll start him. I will also start Edmonds. I wouldn't start both of them if you have them both on your roster, but if you're a guy who picked up Edmonds off waivers a couple weeks ago to either keep him from the Drake manager, I'd be fine starting him in this matchup because he's been involved enough to, uh, make things interesting in this matchup with a 56 point over under, like give me all the weapons possible Seattle side of the ball. You got your big three. Um, I'd start with Russ Metcalf and Lockett. Those guys are every week starts. Um, 
man, Metcalf is becoming one of my favorite players in the league. I just love his story. Um, and obviously he's a freak of an athlete, just a, a good guy to root for. So uh, it's cool. They're coming off a bye too. So they should be nice and prepped up for this game. Um, anyone else on Seattle? I know Chris Carson, honestly, is a, a guy. I don't know why I forgot about him. Chris Carson's had a, a quietly like dominant year at the running back position. He is currently RB7 on the year, which is pretty impressive. Um, that's in half PPR scoring too. So he's ahead of guys like Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon, um, head of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Josh Jacobs. And Chris Carson's a guy you got much later in your drafts than any of those names, maybe Kareem Hunt, you got him right around that area, but yeah, Carson's a, a weekly starter until further notice really. So like, yeah, I, I mean, start, I start Chris Carson every week in our dynasty league. Yeah. I mean, he's been balling out. So yeah, we can move on from this game. I think it's gonna be an exciting game. So I um, mean, it's actually the Sunday night game, which is it? It's eight twenty PM, but there's a, another mid afternoon game right after it so this website's not making sense to me but yeah we'll go ahead and move on now so that is a, a night game primetime game so real quick say, before we go uh -huh. to the next game i'm a firm believer and i kind of came up with this last week get rid of the thursday night games have two monday night double headers love it get me off work the game start at five we have football the rest of the evening yeah Loved i like it. that too this has been great like honestly covid's been such a pain in the ass but I like the Monday night doubleheaders. I even like the fucking Tuesday night game that one night we had it. It was, it was weird, but I mean, that's probably more of a scheduling nightmare, but you can definitely handle two Monday night games. So NFL, let's make it happen. I think it's been pretty, pretty popular. So yeah, I don't mind that call. Uh, next game, San Francisco and New England. This is a low scoring game. Um, very few pieces I'm really interested in. I do have sit of the week. So let me hit the horn. And I wrote down in my notes, like, just beware. Like, you're obviously not going to bench George Kittle. So I said it, George Kittle, and sit in the same sentence. The only thing I'm really worried about here with Kittle is there's no doubt in anyone's mind that he's going to be the, the player that Bill Belichick targets to neutralize. That's what the Patriots have always done. They pick a player and they eliminate them from the game. The 49ers aren't that good of a team anyways. So, I mean, they don't have a super reliable quarterback. It's not like when the, the Patriots played the Chiefs and it's like, oh, wow, there's just too many of them. Even if we pick one, it's not going to do anything because then Mahomes will just beat you by himself. But with Jimmy Garoppolo not playing super well, Kittle's obviously going to be the guy they choose to neutralize. And if we look back, another tight end that they just totally destroyed is Darren Waller. So this is week two and week three, totally polar opposite performances from Waller. Week two versus the Saints, 16 targets, 12 receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. The very next week versus the Patriots, four targets, two catches, nine yards. So this is what the Patriots are going to plan to do versus another very versatile pass catching, um, run after the catch type tight end in Kittle. So, I mean, I'm not saying take Kittle out of your lineups, even though he is my like quote unquote sit of the week, but just beware that the Patriots are going to be, they're going to have his number and you might not get the day you think you're going to get out of a guy like Kittle who's been just balling out since he's been back from injury. Um, anyone else in San Francisco? I think Debo Samuel, now that he's healthy, fire him up, especially if Kittle gets kind of neutralized 
ball's gotta go somewhere. Turn your turn your volume, man. What are you talking about? It's, it's put shoot, it right up against the it, mic. It's shooting out of the microphone. You gotta put your speaker up to the mic. Like like no, this. Whatever. Like this. <laughs> Sit of the week, dude. Jimmy Garoppolo for me. Do you want to know why? Oh no. Yes, I do. I just think overall, <clears throat> especially after them losing the Super Bowl this entire season, granted, he's been out a couple weeks. He just hasn't been the Jimmy G from the previous season. Uh, obviously, he didn't have Debo there for a couple games either, so he was out his number one wide receiver. I mean, there's a lot of different factors, but, I mean, even the best quarterbacks are able to make do with what they have, and he just hasn't been able to do it. Uh, they're playing a pretty strong, like you just talked about, pretty strong Patriots defense. Uh, in you, I mean, you, you, you were saying if you have Debo, fire him up. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's just now that Debo is just now kind of starting to come back to form. He's only played obviously a couple weeks to maybe three weeks, and so I just I don't know that Debo. I don't know that Debo's quite there yet for Jimmy, like for Jimmy to rely on him as much as he has in the past. Yeah. I it agree also doesn't that. help that their their RBs are beaten up, you know, the whole the backfield is a clusterfuck and and it is in a way across the country. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things working against the Niners. Um Patriots got their asses kicked last week by Denver. So I think they're going to be looking to get back on track. Um, I think they get Gilmore back. I haven't heard, but I assume it's been enough time that Gilmore will be eligible to play this game, which should help that defense even more. So Patriots are favored by two. The over-under is 43 and a half, so not really exciting. Um, I don't know. I mean, are you starting Cam in this game? Probably not. Yeah, I think there could be better options out there as well. So I don't know. This is kind of a game I'm like, man, about. I'm not super excited about Kittle, which like is the guy that you should be excited about. So that's not a great sign. Um, Debo, I think, is a kind of a a low end wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver three, even. Um, just his involvement in the rushing game, which we talk about running backs being involved in the passing game. When you get a wide receiver involved in the rushing game as much as Debo's involved, that's huge. So especially when a guy can take an end around essentially 35 yards. He's a hard runner. He's hard to tackle. And they kind of look for him to the goal line. Just want to get the ball in his hands. So see what he can do. If Kittle is kind of taken out of that game plan, then Debo is going to be the guy that steps up in my opinion, um, especially with Mostert out. But yeah, we'll go ahead and move on. Um, I, I, sorry, winners, New England. Yeah. Yeah, same. So next game, Kansas City and Denver. This is the divisional matchup. This is a... Pretty low scoring or low projected over under, especially for a Chiefs game. 45 and a half is the projected over under. Um, Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. So I think most of the scoring in a low scoring game is going to be done by the Chiefs. So Denver's not going to have a lot of points on their side of the column by the end of the night. Um, and start me out with the Chiefs. I think it's pretty simple. Um, I think this is the week that we might see Le'Veon Bell. We didn't see him last week, and Clyde Edwards-Lair was running with some sort of angry energy because he put up like 160-plus scrimmage yards, um, career high for him. So do you think Bell gets work this game, second week um, with the team? 
I don't know because I did see where Andy Reid said it was kind of day to day whether or not that he would play this week, and I think he also said it was kind of up to Le'Veon to see what he wanted to do. But I do think that uh, Kansas City wins this game by probably a thousand points. The <laughs> cover that Denver, Denver's just having a down year, man. And honestly, I have a sit of the week and Jerry Judy. The <clears throat> he just isn't getting the targets that I mean for probably the top wide receiver on that team since Cortland Sutton's out and they have a couple of other in, uh, injuries on that team. I mean, he's just not getting the targets, you know? Yeah. I yeah. saw a tweet the other day, or I think it was actually today. It's like, it wasn't me. I forget who the account was. So sorry, I can't credit it, but it was like, am I the only one that thought Judy would be better? And I was like, retweet, man, yeah. retweet. He's not looked great. Part of, part of fantasy football is having an opportunity and he's just not getting that opportunity. Um, plus, you know, it doesn't help that you're going up against the defending Super Bowl champions who <clears throat> their defense, I would say is better this year than it was last year. Um, he also drew lock having kind of a down year. That's tough, man. I really wanted him to have a great year, but. He's been hurt, so he's back. He was back last week, and that's encouraging for the Broncos. But overall, just a struggling offense. And Judy, if you got him, don't play him. Yeah, because it's not going to go well. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's really the Bronco. I mean, Philip Lindsay is back and healthy. Uh, I think he put up a hundred-yard game last week, so he's apparently ready to go. Melvin Gordon, apparently not facing any sort of discipline from the team. You start him. Um, that's about it. Honestly, I'm not really – Noah Fant, I guess, is a name. He's back and healthy. He's off the injury report. So, um, a good tight end starter there who probably – I mean, Locke's going to be looking to him like he did last year um, and in the first couple of weeks before Locke was injured. So, I think those are the three guys on Denver's side. And then with Kansas City, you start your big names um, – your Tyreeks, uh, your Kelsey's, yeah, Kelsey's, Mahomes. Kelsey's my star of the week this week, and I just don't feel like I have to explain why. Bold call, dude. To pick. <laughs> yeah, tight end's tough, Bold dude. call. Tight end's tough. I had a hard time, too. Um, yeah, we'll actually move into the next game here where I get to talk about my tight end star of the week and my running back star of the week. So I got, got to hit the horn here twice. So this is going to be the Tampa Bay and Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucks are favored by three and a half. The over-under is 52. So north of 50 points is what we like in an over-under. Um, we'll start with Tampa Bay. My running back start of the week is Ronald Jones. Over the past three weeks, we talked about him at the top of the show during our awards segment is he's recorded three consecutive weeks with 100 plus rushing yards. He through the past three games, he's been the RB three overall in fantasy football. That's incredible. No other- no other running back can say they did the 300 in a row this season. So No, Jones is balling out. Like, very, very good. Um, in his 100-plus yard game, so the last three games, he's averaged 4.9 yards per carry or better. He's been up in the six-yard per carries on some of his lower um, attempt games, but he pops up a huge run that kind of ups that average. But, I mean, the dude is making the most of his opportunities, the full-time starter. 
Um, and another note, like we kind of knock on and everyone knocks on Jones for not being a pass catcher, but he's recorded at least two receptions in every game this year. So he's involved in the passing game. Brady's looking his way. And oh, another note is the Raiders allow the third most points to running backs. So that's why Jones is my starter. I don't think it needs much more explanation um, in terms of other pieces of the Bucks. I think Gronk is becoming an interesting name. I wrote about him as a waiver wire target in my article. Um, he found the end zone for the first time as a buck last week. And then Godwin and Evans, you're obviously starting those guys. So outside of those pieces, I don't think there's a lot of interest. Um, quick shout out, I guess, to Tyler Johnson, the rookie out of Minnesota. Um, he scored a touchdown last week. So good for him. Um, that being said, I don't think you start him in fantasy. Um, if you have him in dynasty, it's exciting to be a Tyler Johnson manager just because of the involvement as a rookie. So especially with Godwin and Evans, both back and healthy. So very cool for him. Uh, Vegas, man, what do you got here? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be probably a bloodbath. You do? I mean, Vegas played the chiefs tough, real tough, but yeah, no, yeah. I think it's probably going to be a very, tough game for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I hate to, I hate to jump ahead, but I also see on this list that you have, and you can touch on this in a second, Josh Jacobs as a sit. There you go. Uh, I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a great game. As we talked about earlier, they're missing their starting offensive line. The Darren Waller and Derek Carr, I think, will have good games. Outside of that, I want nothing to do with anybody else on the Raiders team. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's going to be time for Carr. So you alluded to Jacobs being my sit, and he was my sit prior to the news that the whole offensive line was going to miss the game. So I'll go ahead and touch on that really quick. Um Jacobs has not been consistent at all this year. So in 2020, he's either been a top five running back or he's been at RB 24 or worse. So he's been in the top five twice. He's been 24th or worse three times um, in good matchups. He shows up um, IE running back one versus Carolina in week one running back five versus Kansas city. But in bad matchups, he has been a bust. And this is a guy you drafted in the back of the first round, early second round. So like an RB23 finish is a serviceable, like you can start that, but that's not what you drafted a guy in the first round to do. So I call that a bust. Um, RB23 versus New Orleans, RB31 versus New England, and RB58 versus Buffalo. So just unusable games, especially out of one of your first drafted players. Um, compile that with the whole offensive line missing this game not going to be a good day for Jacobs. It's already a bad matchup with this defense. We saw Aaron Jones kind of be neutralized and the Packers are playing from behind the whole time. So if the Bucks can get out ahead, Jacobs isn't going to have a chance really. And they really haven't been highlighting his pass catching, which every single year since he's been in the league, which this is only a second year. So um, it's just been like, why, why? Like that's all they talked about. Uh, like coming out of Alabama is how good his hands were. And Gruden's like, nah, like, whatever so yeah i i like waller as my start of the week at tight end because so transitioning i guess out of jacobs is kind of the, the counterbalance here is 
Jacobs isn't going to have running lanes. Carr is going to have to look to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And that's going to be Waller. It's going to be a, a, another high target volume game for him. So that's about it. I just checked. Um, Brian Edwards is still not practicing, which kind of breaks my heart because he was projected to come back from his injury after the bye. And here we are and he's not practicing. So um, Edwards won't be here. And yeah, in this matchup specifically, I don't want anything else outside of Waller and not even Carr, honestly. I mean, Rodgers was abysmal last week. So Tampa Bay winning the game. You in on that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Good deal. I think this line, like, it's, it should go up. I think the Bucs should be favored by more, especially with the offensive line news, and it probably will be adjusted before on the weekend. So we have a few more games left to try to uh, speed through them. I don't know. We talk way too long, dude. <laughs> um, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, this is the game that was rescheduled. Um, supposed to be played in week five, I believe, and it's now week seven. It might have been week four. I don't remember. It feels like it's been a year ago. Both teams are 5-0, and oh, so this is going to be a good matchup. Um, man, let's start with Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson coming back, I think, is going to be huge, especially versus Tennessee, who is known to give up a, a big player to, to uh, wide receivers. They're currently 27th best or like the, one of the worst, I guess. I, I kind of hawk that from the footballers, 27th best, so might be on that. Um, they're allowing 27 points to opposing wide receivers. So, I mean, Claypool has carved out a role for himself, no doubt. He scored again last week. Um, but the Titans are looking impressive in their own right, and Ryan Tannehill is looking to be a weekly start. So um, where do you like this game to go, man? Who's your winner here? I guess let's start with that, and we'll break the teams down. Yeah, do I, – I, I think Tennessee could – could roll to six snow while Pittsburgh falls to five and one. Um, kind of going back to what you were saying about the Pittsburgh wide receivers. I do like that Deontay's back and Chase Claypool is also becoming a very um, important piece in that offense because that kind of lets Juju fall back into the slot where you see him do. Juju's do most, of the week. Talk about that in a minute. Uh, okay, do most of his work. Um, but then also, I mean, Ben's got his new elbow. He's playing like he's a 24-year-old quarterback, and James Conner has been doing doing well the past few weeks. So that overall, though, that Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh offense, is, even the defense has just been kind of rolling and having great success. Tennessee, Tennessee is – it's impressive, honestly, that they are still 5-0 and um, for a, a team that kind of lacks offensive weapons and A.J. Brown has been having some injury issues. And you have Derek Henry that just plops their brick walls every week. And Janu Smith, who's having a great season. Um, it's impressive that they're 5-0. and Honestly, I would have – I would have put money on Ryan Tannehill not being able to kind of take what he did last year and roll it over into this year. Um, I was wrong. Call spade a spade, I guess. Uh, so, but I do like what they're doing. The defense is, is rolling. Um, Frable seems to be a great, a great uh, coach. He has a, a, a fantastic football mind, very high IQ and, he seems to be doing some fantastic things down there, and I think they're going to take that momentum. Uh, the the home and away thing, I still don't think plays a big role. However, I do think it is a factor. So this being a home game for Tennessee, I think 
I think they I think I think they pull it out, man. I think I think they beat Pittsburgh. Okay, man. That's that'd be an upset for you then. Um I mean it's hard to argue with that. And I like what you said about all the pieces in Tennessee. They're kind of proving they're not a one trick pony. Um, because I think a lot of people did expect Tannehill to kind of regress into that more Miami form that we saw him in early in his career, but he's balling out and they're not just totally leaning into Derrick Henry, even though they can. Um, it's very nice to have that kind of luxury when you have this guy behind the line that is just massive. And like you said, just runs through brick walls and destroys careers on a weekly basis that you don't have to lean on 30 plus carries a game from that guy. Cause Tannehill can do it himself. Um, yeah. I mean, I just don't know that Pittsburgh is going to be the matchup for Tennessee to like, momentum or not. Pittsburgh's also undefeated. They're, they have momentum of their own and their defense, like I said earlier, is generating the most pressures in the league. So I actually don't love Tannehill this week. Um, AJ Brown popping up the injury report on a Thursday. Don't love that. Derek Henry. I mean, he's a guy you start, but I know like for a guy, we were just talking about how amazing and impressive he is for a guy, his size, he does get brought down behind the line kind of a lot. So, I mean, you expect a guy that's that big to be able to fall forward for a couple of yards, like positively every time, but um, he's susceptible to get hit in the backfield. And another note is Tennessee did just lose um, starting left tackle Taylor Luan for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. So that pass rush from Pittsburgh can get home even easier. Um, and they're already great against the run. I think they're one of the best in the league against the run. So I think, like I said last week with the Browns, I think there's going to be too much Pittsburgh for t- the, the Titans to keep up with in uh, this matchup. And for Pittsburgh, I mean, you start, I think, Ben, Deontay, um, coming back. I know Deontay, a lot of people have hesitation, like they want to label him as injury prone. Uh, I think the concussion could have happened to anyone. It sucks. Um, definitely something to keep an eye on as players accrue concussions throughout their career. Not great. But the back injury, just get that dude off punt team, man. Like he doesn't need to be back there returning punts. Just let him do what he does. He got smacked in the back on a punt return and then got pulled from the game and missed two weeks, essentially two weeks for him or from that injury. So, um, yeah, just use the guy as a wide receiver because that's what he's he's built for. Um, Claypool, I think, is a weekly start at this point until he shows us that he's not. I mean, he's very involved. Um, and Juju, so I hit the horn earlier on Juju. He's actually my sit of the week, and I'll go ahead and roll through that really quick. Um, last week, the dude had six yards, two catches for six yards versus Cleveland. And Cleveland is one of the lowest ranked defenses versus the pass in the league. Um, So that should have been a plus matchup. So I see this week in another pretty plus matchup. Like I said, Tennessee's allowing 27 points to wide receivers. This is like a make or break week for me with Juju. Um, I mean, I don't feel confident. I think given the matchup and given a 50 and a half point over under, I think a competitive game between two good teams. If you don't start him, like when else will you start him? But I mean, he hasn't broken 50 yards since week one. Like, he's not been good. And like I said, two catches for six yards versus the Browns, who have one of the worst defenses versus the pass. Like, it's just no thanks. I think there's other other weapons Ben is looking towards. Even James Washington. Like, Washington's out-targeted Juju two of the past three weeks. So, I don't know. And there's been no talks of extending Juju. So, the team might just be, like, formulating their future without this guy as, like, a piece of their offense. I don't know. 
but yeah, Juju's sit of the week for me. Um, I, I'd look other options if you have them. So I'd start like a Mike Williams over a Juju Smith-Schuster this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I like what you said about Titans. I think I wrapped up Steelers. Winner, you have the Titans, I assume? Yep. Okay, I'll take Steelers. Next game, we have two more games left. Jacksonville and L.A. L.A. at eight-point favorites versus Jacksonville, 49-point over-under. Herbert has yet to get a win as the starter. I think that changes this week. I think it's a great matchup to get him back on track. Um, I think I'm done with the Minshew bait. It's not been great. Um, not a lot of pieces in Jacksonville I am excited about. LaVisca Chanel burnt me pretty bad last week. It's my start of the week call. But he did have one of the most impressive three-yard gains I've ever seen. Broke like four tackles. And it was a, a catch behind the line. So he worked hard for that three yards. But, I mean, desperation plays on Jacksonville. I mean, James Robinson's a guy. I think he's still a top 10 running back despite a couple down weeks in a row. He's still got the upside to find the end zone. He's still got the receiving chops to be on the, on the field every down. So you can go ahead and start him. But I'm tempering expectations with Jacksonville. Um, Minshew's not looked great. DJ Chark saw 14 targets last year or last week. Didn't turn that into anything spectacular. Um, Keelan Cole was the guy last week that kind of went off for 100 plus yards and a touchdown. So or did, I don't know if he had a touchdown. I got called back, but yeah, Jacksonville not overly excited about. But LA, I think Herbert's given a lot of us reasons to be excited about this offense versus this de- defense specifically. So do you see any pieces of the Chargers that stand out more than most? For the Chargers, yeah, dude. I think it's going to be Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson. He can have a pretty big week against, yeah, pretty big week against uh, the what you just made out to be very questionable Jacksonville um, team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I mean, he's played more snaps than Kelly this year. Jackson has this year, uh, last week. Kelly had this year, really. Yeah. Wow. Didn't know that. I mean, I guess fact check that but i mean i don't i don't make this stuff up dude the also though he last week he had 90 total yards or not last week in week five he had 90 total yards uh and he's shown very much that the that team can rely on him and with um, austin eckler being out and I just think Justin Jackson's going to have his time to shine. It's going to be this week against a shitty Jacksonville defense. Yeah, man. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think, uh, obviously, two names. Keenan Allen has been money with Herbert. I mean, he's had some weeks that were better than others, but he's been consistent, and Herbert keeps looking his way, and this is a defense that will absolutely give up those targets. And Mike Williams is – and he's so good. He's so good. I hope he can stay healthy, and I hope that Herbert keeps looking deep to him down the field because like Williams went up in double coverage a couple weeks ago and just caught a ball he had no business catching. And the crazy thing with Mike Williams is he does it all the time. So good for him. Um, I don't know if there's many other names really to mention. L.A. is heavily favored, and I do like Herbert to get his first win this week. So move on. Yep. Last game, man. This is this is a long one, dude. This is a this is a long pod. So Chicago and the Rams. We have the Bears and the Rams. This is in LA. The Rams are six point favorites, a forty five point over under. So kind of a low scoring game. And I do have some sit of the week goodness in this game. My sit of the week is 
huh? because I let me pull it up. We are waiting to have a sit of the week in this game. Excellent. You go first. And my sit of the week is David Montgomery. Oh, I have stats pulled up to argue with you about this one. Oh, great. 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 Let's – I don't even know if I want to get into this, man. You got to go, man. All right. Well, first off, he plays the Rams, so he's got to go up against Daryl Donald. Um, I mean, they're – the Rams' defense isn't exactly spectacular, but they are somewhat decent against the run. Um where did that go? Yeah, also, while he's it's looking, not, oh, sorry. It's go not ahead. very impressive that David Montgomery is yet to score or rush for over 82 yards in the game. I think just kind of comparatively to the previous season, David Montgomery's having a, a downer of a year. So, I mean, last I'm year. I hear what you're going to fire back with, though. Yeah, yeah. Last year, Montgomery kind of sucked. Um, that was Nagy not using him correctly. I hear what you're saying. Like his rushing totals. I think I I think I don't know why people are like sucking the dick of David Montgomery. I don't think he's that good. No, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, it was people were excited because he landed an opportunity where he was presumed to have a starting role. Like they got rid of Jordan Howard. Everything looked like Montgomery was going to walk in and take that job and run with it. And they're like, oh, let's put Cordero Patterson back there. Like with Tariq Cohen going down. Patterson's just getting more looks than he deserves, but it's kind of out of necessity because they don't have that change of pace back, but whatever. I mean, Montgomery, he's not over like overwhelmingly athletic, but he's shifty. He breaks a ton of tackles. And I mean, that's, I think the, the exciting thing is his like lateral quickness and stuff. Like he's able to shake off defenders pretty well. Usually he doesn't get brought down by the first guy, but he's also not a guy who's going to break away like a, a 20 or 30 yard run. So I think he is what he is at this point. Um, I agree. He's not spectacular, but um, I mean, I hear what you're saying about like his 82 yard rushing and stuff like that, but he also has pretty good hands and he's got, let's see, one, two, three, four games with at least 30 receiving yards this year. He's got one game with seven catches. He's been targeted in every single game. So while he isn't getting it done on the ground, he is involved week after week through the air. Um, So there's been a couple down weeks through the air, 10 yards, nine yards, but he's had 45, 30, 30, and 39 yards through the air throughout the season too. So I think combining, like he is a, a true dual threat. He's just like a poor man's, like uh, he's like a, a poorer man's David Johnson. Even when David Johnson was like pretty bad, that's kind of what he reminds me of. He doesn't have a lot of burst, but he can do those things. He can do them pretty well. And that's just the best the bears have. So I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't know that those those receiving stats and his receiving or pass catching abilities in that offense are necessarily going to change at least my mind and him not being a sit this week. Oh no, he can he can be a sit in this game, but I mean he it's I think the Rams are gonna get the Rams are gonna get ahead. And the Bears are going to be playing from behind, so they're not. I don't think they're going to either run or do dump down passes to Montgomery. 
Yeah, I just wanted to argue because it sounded like you were just shitting all over Montgomery, and I'm like, he's not as bad as you think he is. But I mean, it's still not a great matchup for him, so I I don't mind sitting him this week. But I mean, don't be afraid to start him if you don't have a better option. And um, that's really all all I wanted to say about it. But yeah, anything else on on Montgomery before we move on? No. Let's see, where's my? Oh, my sit is Jared Goff, and it's the Bears defense. So similar to how I said, you continue to target the Atlanta offense for quarterbacks to start. The Bears defense is like, I'm like, who are the Bears playing? That's the quarterback in the sit. I called Bridgewater as a sit last week, and he did not do great at all. Uh, kind of a low-end RB t- or a QB2, so not really usable, especially in one-quarterback leagues. Goff plays that team this week. They're still number one ranked versus the the pass that pass rush is still nasty and the Rams offensive line is meh. Like they're still like geriatric as hell. So, I mean, it's not a good matchup for Goff, who's really not been super consistent throughout the year anyways. So um, I think his stats last week could have been a lot better. Had Cooper cup come up with a couple passes. I don't know. Heard he had a, a few bad drops, but yeah, I mean, I don't like Goff in the matchup, so you could definitely find a better quarterback. But that's all the games, man. We ran super long, but we have a listener yeah, question. Yeah. Do you want to do the listener question real quick? I think it's a fun one. Yeah, sure. Dude, all right. So we had our buddy Richard. He asked if you could collab. First with... off, I mean, I guess shout out Richard, dude. We bring that, that guy up all the time. So it's one of our buddies for a long time. So Richard and Neil are our primary kind source of, of listener uh, questions. Yeah, but I mean, Richard, I feel like we bring up at least twice every episode kind of a uh, Browns um, fan and into invisible contributor party host. I, yeah. guess. I don't know, but yeah, Richard, he brought up an interesting question, not necessarily fantasy football related. So um, we're closing out the fantasy portion of the show at whatever time this is. And if you don't want to listen to the rest, then tune out now, but um, it's a fun question. So stick around if you're interested. He asked if you could collab on the podcast or just on any project with, really anyone who would you pick and why um yeah so al you go ahead and get started because i wasn't super clear on who it was in a text and i was like i think i think i know who it's going to be and then it wasn't and i didn't know if you like actually ruled them out or not no man i mean i probably wouldn't go with the one that you're talking about but i think honestly dude i my initial response was mike greenberg from originally i mean a lot of people know from mike mike but he also does uh get up every morning on espn and i mean i just think he's very knowledgeable he's very passionate a huge jets fan so i mean he's just getting shit on left and right but i mean also seems like a very genuine cool dude um but neil our other buddy he he threw out scott van pell which i also do not think is a bad option I mean, that's another one. Both of them are very, very well, I mean, very, very well speaking. I mean, they can just, they know a lot. They they know how to talk. Very respected. Yeah, they're both very respected in what they do, and I think they're both entertaining. I mean, you get some people on here or just indifferent, not necessarily in in all different forms of media, different subjects that, I mean, they – they get on, they talk, but they're just not entertaining to watch or listen to. And I think those two guys are, and I think it'd be cool. Yeah, dude, that's dope. I like both those options. Um, 
Yeah, I think SVP is more my vibe. I think Green, yeah, Greeny. I just was never in uh, into his show, Mike and Mike, and that's not. I didn't like Mike and them. Mike either, dude. But honestly, I love Get Up. Yeah, that's cool. I'll check it out. I don't listen to it much, um, but yeah, dude, I like those options quite a bit. Uh, mine was like the easiest. It was, it was Chris Long, man. You called it before I'm I even sure read the text. <laughs> before I even read the text, you're like Zach's with Chris Long. Like it's 100 Chris Long, dude. Chris Long hosts uh, the Green Light Pod. Chris Long is a former two-time Super Bowl champion, Patriots and um, the Eagles, played for the Rams for a good chunk of his career. I just love his podcast, I love his insight. Um, honestly, like he just feels like or seems kind of like the kind of guy I would just get along with, super laid back, um, humble, but still like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it's just a, a fun show to listen to. Um Shout out to his co or co-host Making Gunner. Uh, he's like a gunter. He's a, a realtor, and they've just been friends since like middle school. So it's super cool. It's kind of like what we're doing on this pod. It's just like longtime friends as a, a weekly way to hang out. And I like the the vibe of his show um, and just kind of everything he stands for on and off the field. He was a fucking awesome player. And then off the field, like he was Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, his year in Philadelphia or one of the years in Philly, he started a literacy program. He donated his entire salary for the year. I think it was the year they won the Super Bowl um, to like literacy in schools. And then he has a foundation called Water Boys where they go over to Tanzania every year and build wells for villages that don't have clean water. So on and off the field and the dude like speaks up on social injustice and issues of like, like all sorts of things. I'm just like, dude, same fucking wavelength like 99 percent of the time so i mean that, that'd be my dream collab right there and yeah that's about it man but right on brother dude let's get the hell out of here <laughs> you're, you're gonna hate to see how long this episode is but uh anyways we'll if, if, thanks for hanging out with us um because it truly was like we stole a chunk of your day um uh, enjoy your friday enjoy your weekend and good luck in your matchups in week seven um yeah we'll see you guys next time